words on water. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Aqualis, the leading nationwide expert in stormwater and lift station management. Aqualis protects your assets, mitigating notices of violation, flooding, and emergency services. Aqualis can keep your property compliant and safe, and assist in reducing overall property owner liability. Receive a free consultation for your single site or multi-state organization by visiting aqualisco.com or by calling 888-590-9685. Welcome to Words on Water, a podcast from the Water Environment Federation. This is the host, Travis Loop joined by Aaron Zasky, Chief Development Officer for Aqualis. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to uh, glad to be lined up for a conversation again. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be back. Yeah, I, you know, really going to talk a lot about stormwater and wastewater regulations for this conversation. Super timely, critical topics and really looking forward to your perspective here. Um, we're going to dive into a lot of different aspects and angles of this, uh, but I'd love to get your thoughts on why stormwater and wastewater regulations are just so important. Yeah, uh, so many people who are in who are not in the water industry don't realize that both stormwater and wastewater systems are regulated by the Environmental Protection Agency. The importance of these regulations is significant because polluted runoff is one of the greatest threats to clean water in the U.S. Nearly 600,000 miles of rivers and streams and more than 13 million acres of lakes, reservoirs, and ponds are considered impaired. The EPA classifies stormwater systems as those that are publicly owned, discharge into waters of the U.S., and are not part of a sewage treatment plant, such as a municipal separate storm sewer system, commonly referred to as an MS4. Any development disturbing one acre or more of land requires the implementation of stormwater control measures or SCMs, commonly known as best management practices or BMPs. So if you think about a lot of the big box retailers or the office developments, many of those are greater than one acre and all have their own stormwater systems that they're responsible for. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, you're right. The EPA really uh, steers decision-making and drives a lot of action. Um, why, I'd, I'd love to just kind of hear more about why they're such a high priority, why these regulations are such a high priority. Sure. So estimates suggest that there are 3.5 million miles of storm sewers 270 million storm drains and 2.5 million stormwater treatment assets across the U.S. Hold on a second. Those are incredible numbers. I just want to pause and make sure everybody digested that. That's crazy. Millions, millions. Um, so, yes, important there just because of the scale. Go ahead. Sorry. No, absolutely. The, it, you know, the numbers are astounding, especially considering the trajectory that we're seeing of urban flooding 
which will likely continue to trend upward as our older stormwater assets or infrastructure can't accommodate for the changing rainfall patterns and intensity. Climate change, including more frequent and intense storms and more extreme flooding events will also increase stormwater runoff. This increase can exacerbate existing or introduce new pollution problems. If you think about what we saw in 2020, you know, we saw major flooding events across the country and we you know, anticipate that that is continuing, uh, will continue to increase. So the EPA ensures municipalities and property owners work to reduce pollution and the amount of stormwater runoff, as well as minimize unlawful discharges of raw sewage that can harm water quality. Stormwater and wastewater regulations are important because they protect our wetlands and aquatic ecosystems. They improve the quality of water bodies that receive the runoff. They conserve our water resources and protect public health as well as serving as flood control. You know, we're headquartered here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and just over the past two weeks, we saw two separate instances of raw sewage spills due to infrastructure failures at the municipal level. Both spills were unrelated, but in total accounted for more than 51,000 gallons of wastewater to spill into local waterways. And while these failures are bound to happen, even with established regulations and mandatory maintenance, with aging infrastructure and stressed budgets, municipalities ensuring that these systems are functioning as designed protect our communities. Mm. Yeah. And that's uh, that's incredible that how these events, these rain events are are definitely happening. And I think we chatted about this in our last conversation, um, just continuing to see rain events and and issues that result in local waterways. Um, so those those stormwater regulations that you know you've hit on here, what's what's the history behind that? And uh, you know I think it's important to to look at where we've where we've come from, to, you know, to get to where we are today. The first major U.S. law to address water pollution was the Federal Water Pollution Control Act of 1948. The EPA was established in 1970 after the 1960s environmental conservation boom, and the Federal Water Pollution Control Act was reorganized and expanded in 1972, becoming what we know as the Clean Water Act. This established the basic structure for regulating discharges of pollutants into the water of the U.S. and regulating quality standards for surface waters. Uh, states and local governments may also have stormwater regulations that are more stringent than it, those imposed by the municipal government, but the National Pollutant Discharge Elimination Systems, or NPDES, which we commonly refer to it as, regulate stormwater discharges from three potential sources, MS4s, construction activities, and industrial activities. Uh, recently, we have seen more changes in stormwater regulation as our understanding of stormwater and its importance are being emphasized. Yeah, I, you know, there's been a lot about water infrastructure uh, and investments and the situation in the media lately, just tons of news stories. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of chatter about an infrastructure package in DC um, and, you know, stormwater is a part of that conversation. Um, I, I think that changes in stormwater regulations and, and so forth are part of this also. What's, what's been going on? Why, why are there changes happening in stormwater regs? 
The leading cause for change is the undeniable need for improvements in infrastructure and water quality. Mm. Uh, the U.S. is the wealthiest country in the world, yet we rank 13th when it comes to the overall quality of our infrastructure. Mm. And earlier this year in March, the American Society of Civil Engineers announced its 2021 report card for America's infrastructure, which included both wastewater and, for the first time ever, stormwater. Uh, the report was very disheartening for stormwater, making its first appearance, uh, receiving a D, and wastewater didn't do much better, uh, receiving a D plus. You know, the report stated that with few dedicated funding sources, complicated governance and ownership structures, expansive networks of aging assets, increasingly stringent water quality regulations, and the climate change projections that we're seeing, the expected performance of our stormwater systems is declining, you know, and we absolutely have to do something about this. Stormwater regulations need to advance significantly, um, and there, there's a sense of urgency that goes with it. Climate change has made our historical data irrelevant. It's increased pressure on the aging infrastructure, which was never designed to manage this amount of stormwater, and the increased quantity of runoff is leading to more pollution. As cities and their populations continue to grow, the regulations have to combat the negative effects of the increased runoff to pr protect our waterways and our fresh water sources. Yeah, it was really disappointing, but I don't know if it was unexpected to see that D grade for stormwater uh, infrastructure. And you know, if the if investments don't happen soon, uh, you know. Gosh, I could see that grade dropping even further in, in future report cards. Um, so, you know, I, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on increased flooding and, and the costs associated with that and the current infrastructure and just, you know, that that dynamic and, and what we're looking at. Yeah. And, you know, there's not much uh, room for getting worse from uh, <laughs> right. down, right? Yeah. Uh, so stormwater conveyance systems, you know, are oftentimes constructed of either corrugated metal, uh, concrete, or plastic, and their lifespan is projected to be 50 to 100 years. But if you think about, you know, how old our city municipal systems are, you know, they're more than 100 years old, and we haven't done a great job of making upgrades to these. Uh, storage and treatment systems, such as the detention and retention ponds, have an average lifespan between 20 to 30 years. So based on this, systems that were constructed in the 80s or prior have exceeded or are nearing the end of their useful lives and are likely undersized given the current stormwater management practices and climate change impacts that we're seeing in many parts of the country. You know, it, it, we have to act now. And there are examples of efforts being made to meet these higher stormwater regulation standards. Uh, the EPA has invited five projects in Florida to apply for a total of $689 million um, in Water Infrastructure Finance and Innovation Act loans uh, as of January 2020. And nationally, uh, there have been 55 new projects in 20 states um, that have been invited. But it's not just investments to rehabilitate um, existing structures that are relevant. 
stormwater infrastructure is more than concrete and water redirection. While that's still very helpful, there has been a, a switch to green infrastructure over the traditional gray infrastructure that we've seen in the past. Hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> I definitely have noticed that. That's, that's something that's always in news clips, different cities uh, putting in green infrastructure and you know, working with these nature-based solutions and so forth. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you know, your perspective on, on this increased adoption on green infrastructure. So green infrastructure is a cost-effective, resilient approach to managing wet weather impacts that provide uh, many community benefits. When rain falls in natural undeveloped areas, the water is absorbed and filtered by soil and plants. Uh, stormwater in those instances, the runoff is cleaner and less of an issue as there aren't the pollutants that we see in the urban areas. Green infrastructure uh, uses vegetation, soils, and other elements and practices, as well as the site's natural hydrology, to restore some of the natural, uh, natural, excuse me, processes required to manage water and create healthier urban environments. Uh, there are many incentives uh, for green infrastructure development and retrofit solutions. The EPA's Municipal Handbook on Green Infrastructure identifies five ways municipalities um, have been incentivized for green infrastructure, including stormwater fee discounts, development incentives, grants, rebates, and installation financing, as well as awards and recognition programs. Um, a specific example of this is the City of Philadelphia has created a suite of subsidies grants and rebates for residential and non-residential properties um, and offer a reduced price for uh, qualified non-residential customers and contractors to design and install uh, stormwater control measures, reducing stormwater pollution and the enhancement of water quality. Hmm. That's a great overview of the impact of, of green infrastructure. Um, I'm curious from your perspective about if you're also seeing an increase in, in implementation of, of green infrastructure or like I said, nature-based infrastructure. Yeah, we are uh, seeing a significant increase in conversations um, hmm. with our uh, customers as well as in the, uh, in the space in general. Some state and local governments are implementing green infrastructure for reasons beyond the incentives. Um, in January of last year, California required that every business seeking a new or renewed business license to prove it is registered under the state's general permit for stormwater discharge um, associated with industrial activities or its IGP uh, that has an individual stormwater permit or uh, that is not required to, so, so they have to um, show proof of this, right? And in March of this year, the North Carolina Coastal Federation developed an action plan for nature-based stormwater strategies to promote natural designs that reduce flooding and improve water quality. Uh, many states and municipalities have also developed recommendation for nature-based stormwater strategies that promote green infrastructure and you know, engineering firms that specialize in this um, are promoting it more and more as well. So uh, it's becoming a, a common theme across the U.S., which I think is necessary. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, so I'm, I'm also curious what changes you might foresee in the future. You have to pull out your crystal ball here, which is always risky, um, especially when we talk about regulations. But um, what do you think might be happening on the, on the stormwater regulation front in the, in the future? So the EPA has identified key elements of effective MS4 programs, which include putting available resources toward the most cost-effective activity that will result in the greatest environmental benefit, permits allowing stormwater management programs to be tailored to watershed-specific characteristics and pollutant sources to be flexible to address emerging issues. So, you know, what you see in the Mid-Atlantic or the Chesapeake Bay area is going to be different than what you're seeing in Florida or in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, clarity, enforceability, linkage to water quality outcomes, and clearly established goals uh, with performance metrics or KPIs are going to be necessary. Um, future regulations and, you know, governmental bodies, including this new administration, are taking climate change and its implications seriously. There will be a continued emphasis on green infrastructure moving forward, as I mentioned previously. You know, single purpose gray stormwater infrastructure, which we've seen historically, is largely designed to take the stormwater runoff and move it away from the built environment, while green infrastructure reduces and treats stormwater at the source while delivering other um, benefits to both to the environment um, and economy as well. Hmm. So with changing regulations, you know, around stormwater and that changing climate that you've mentioned a bunch of times, how do you think cities and, and businesses should respond? How can they prepare um, for this, for these changes? So, you know, both municipalities and businesses should develop a proactive stormwater pollution prevention plan and stay informed and open to new technologies that are existing in the space today. You know, we talked a little bit about this in August uh, when we spoke, um, but the Journal of Environmental Policy and uh, Planning published a survey of 233 municipalities and municipal leaders on green infrastructure in stormwater in the municipal environment. And when asked if their municipality uses stormwater fees for projects uh, included in climate change adaptation, 71% of the respondents said no. Um, multiple respondents noted that their municipality is typically reactive and not proactive in addressing hazards that arise from stormwater and changing precipitation patterns and what we've seen, you know, in the last couple of years, this isn't something that we can maintain moving forward. So it's imperative that businesses and municipalities implement sustainable water management solutions, um, which we have a, an online summit coming up on May 25th that is going to be talking specifically to that. Mm. Yeah, a, a summit sounds very valuable. What's going on with that? So, Aqualis will be hosting a sustainable water compliance summit, which the theme is implementing sustainable water management solutions for businesses and municipalities. We are going to have um, a panel that includes uh, regulators from across the country 
as well as industry leaders and people, uh, leaders in the commercial space that are managing their water compliance programs. Um, our keynote speaker, Dr. Sylvia Hood Washington, will um, be giving a, a, a keynote introduction on what she has seen in the space historically and where it needs to go moving forward um, to you know, discussing a lot of what we talked about today. Um, and this is on May 25th, beginning at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. It's free for all participants, and we will have four hours of continuing ed programs uh, for individuals to, to get in their credits for this year. Oh, wow. Fantastic opportunity. Uh, glad, glad we mentioned that. Well, Aaron, um, this has been an info-packed conversation. I really appreciate it. I think that uh, it's extremely valuable for people that are newer to the sector or and even people that have been around for a while, all this good information and, um, and thoughts about where things are going. So I really appreciate, uh, appreciate it and glad we caught up again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and uh, looking forward to hopefully doing this again in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Words on water.